0: kind of low-cost things, and so he started an op shop and uh, started offering low-cost kind of stuff to people. Uh, then he started food hampers, and we started delivering food hampers to different people. But then he realized that there are a lot of people who are starving in the in the community. A lot of people who are struggling financially, weren't able to buy stuff. And he found out that there were truckloads of uh, sweet potatoes that Farmers were just throwing away because they had different marks on them or whatever. They weren't good for the supermarket, so they were just dumped. Now, Keith, being the kind of guy that he is, just thought, well, this these two things shouldn't be. One is they're throwing away sweet potatoes, and the other is that they're people starving. And so he said, dump them here. And people thought he was joking. but no, they, So they, he organized for them to come out to the parking lot at Cedar Ridge and dump a semi-trailer of... Uh, sweet potatoes, in the middle of the parking lot. That makes a big pile of sweet potatoes, I can tell you. And he did this, uh, I think that was once, once a, every, every couple of weeks or so during the, the summer, Tom, as the harvests were coming in, these truckloads of sweet potatoes had come. And you should see, after he'd done it a couple of times, there were hundreds of people who would just line up and attack this massive pile of sweet potatoes. We're having to give out just bags and bags of sweet potatoes to people because he had recognized that there was a need there and, and just said, this may not make sense. And we'll just, just dump it here. God's saying, just dump it here and we'll figure it out. And everyone knew when the sweet potatoes were coming in. And there'd be people lined up ready for these sweet potatoes. And then he decided, look, there's a lot of people who need a lot of repairs around their house. And so we'll start doing that too. We'll get together groups in different churches and, and work on different people's homes as needed. Whatever the need was, he wanted to meet. And it was then in the mid-90s that uh, Keith heard about a woman named Sarah. Now, it seems, uh, Keith's story, there were some loggers who were clearing out uh, some of, the, uh, some of the, the woods there, the, uh, the bushland, uh, high up on a mountain. And they came to an old road that had been overgrown with some trees. And it was to their surprise that as they got to a little old shack that looked like it had been abandoned for years, they, they got to the shack... And they heard some chickens. And they thought, this is peculiar. And so they did some investigation and they went into this home and found a dear lady named Sarah, who was 101 years old, living by herself in the top of this, uh, in a shack on the top of the hill. There was no electricity, there was no running water. She made her own medicines, as you do, yes? And she lived off the land as best she could. She um, um, she got berries from from around. Uh, she grew some of her own veggies in pots and things right there because she could no longer go out and garden. She had a uh, an outhouse, which was a drop toilet, um, an outhouse that was in her back lawn. Uh, but she had got to the place where physically she wasn't able to walk that far anymore unassisted. And so for the last few years, uh, she had had to be using uh, the chicken coop uh, for her toilet as well. She was um, worse off, I think, than I've ever seen anyone. And Keith took me up to meet Sarah and to talk to her about some of the things that she needs. Now, I don't know if you know anything about mountain people, but they are stubborn. They are stubborn as... Uh, you can't do anything with them. So, of course, Sarah wasn't about to move. That wasn't even, a, that wasn't even an option. She would lived there all of her life. Her family deserted her when she was in her 90s. And they left her up there. But she wasn't about to move, and so that wasn't an option. And so we said, well, what can we do for you around the house? And so um, there was no way to get electricity up there. From what we see, there's no way to get the running water up there. Uh, but we, we built her a new outhouse. Uh, which was closer to the house, and uh, a handrail that went from the lounge room, from her her chair there, uh, to um, the outhouse. We provided regular food baskets for her. And we got her um, a new stove and, and gas tank and stuff she could cook on. We sat down with Sarah then, and we started just talking about God. Because she just kept saying, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In her broken voice. And we asked her what she meant. In fact, one guy that came along with us said, What what are you saying, thank you? And she said, I have prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed that God would save me, that God would protect me, that God would provide for me. And little by little, there would be a tomato on the plant or there would be something that would provide but she said, this is what I've been praying for. You're here, and you're here to help. We sat down as we were talking about God. She asked us to sing some hymns. And uh, we started singing just a cappella. The old, again, the Baptist National Anthem, we sang ba- Amazing Grace. And one of the most beautiful songs I've ever seen that I don't think I'll ever forget was as we started singing, there was a part in the song where Sarah's arms lifted in the air, and there were tears rolling down her cheek as she mouthed the words, I once was lost, but now I'm found. God had provided for her. Not exactly how she had planned, not exactly in the timing probably that she had planned, but He came through and brought her to safety. Now, last week we started this little uh, topic of uh, the, the book of Ruth. And it was a time, if you remember, in the time of judges. There were no kings in Israel at that time. They had different judges. And what the judges did is, uh, as, as long as the people of Judah and the people in Bethlehem were faithful to God, there was a great time of blessing for the people. But that didn't seem to last that long because the people always turned away from God. And they were overcome by enemies uh, that surrounded them. And so God would appoint a judge who would lead them mightily in battle and conquer all the armies and bring them back to a time of peace And then said, now, just be faithful to me and follow me, and you can enjoy this time of peace and blessing. But that never lasted long. Again, they just turned away from God, and and, um, they had famine and and hardship and war. Now, this is a time, Ruth begins, uh, this book begins by saying, this is in the time of judges, and there was a great famine in the place called Bethlehem in Judah. Judah." And uh, so this is saying that this is a time in which the people have been unfaithful to God. And so a man named Elimelech took his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, and they traveled over. They left Bethlehem, the place of God, and they went over to Moab, a place in which they didn't honor God and didn't worship God because there was food there. And they thought, we'll seek provision there. They thought it would be a short trip, but Elimelech died there. And Naomi raised two sons on her own. They each married uh, ladies named Orpah and Ruth. And after about 10 years, both these sons died, and Naomi was left without her husband or her two sons. Now, we mentioned last week, this is a a day and age in which a man provided for the family. And without a man in the family, women were often cast out to the streets. If they didn't have someone in the family that took them on, an uncle or a father or a husband, then they were cast out of society, in a sense, and not looked after. And this woman had lost everything that she had. All of those protectors were gone. Her her husband and her two sons. And then she hears that there's a great time of blessing again in Bethlehem. That there's food and and there's wealth again. And so she says, God will provide for us. And so she moves back to Bethlehem. And with her comes this lady Ruth, her daughter-in-law. Now this is completely against the customs. Because Ruth should by all means, go back and live with her own family there in Moab. Maybe find someone, an uncle or someone that would take her in. Maybe her father would take her back in. But Ruth says, no, I will follow you, Naomi. I will go with you because your God provides and your God is going to be my God. Your home, my home. And that brings us up to Ruth chapter 2 in which we, we find a, an interesting character. Uh, God brings in the story named Boaz. Now, Boaz was a a man of uh, some fame among his people. He was from the same sort of tribe of Elimelech. And so he was down the the sort of family line, same as Naomi's um, husband who had died. And yet, the Bible says in verse 2, he was a a man of standing, a phrase used for for royalty or importance, often that they used for uh, the kings and the judges like David and Saul and Jephthah. And Ruth, as they get to Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth get to Bethlehem, and they're expecting there's all this blessing and there's all this prosperity that they hear about, but they don't experience any of it because they don't have a man. They're not part of a family there. They're not brought under the, the headship, I guess, of, of a man there. And so Ruth asks Naomi if it's okay if she goes and gleans the fields. Now, what this meant is the, the laws at the time allowed for orphans or widows or outcasts or the sick who had been disowned in the community, the law allowed for them to go by after the harvesters had been through the crop, they could walk through and see if there was anything left and take it for their own, if they had the owner's permission to do so. And so Ruth said, look, we have nothing. And so is it okay, Naomi, if I go and I glean the fields and I walk behind those harvesters? And so she said, "Yes, you know, find a field to do that." And so um, Ruth then goes out, and she finds a field, and it happens to be the field of uh, Boaz. She didn't know that at the time, but she goes and she stands in the field, and uh, she she waits, she waits for Boaz to get there, because she needs uh, his permission in order to uh, to glean the field. And in our reading in verses 4 to 9, Ruth meets Boaz because he comes home and he sees this lady just standing uh, in the field, which is odd for a couple of reasons. One, if she was going to be there, she'd be there trying to to pick up uh, food and whatever was left. But also women were never on their own in society because it was quite dangerous for them. The women who were left on their own uh, were often uh, attacked, abused, and mistreated. The destitute in these days were considered often considered less than human because they didn't belong to any man's family. And yet, verse 7 says, oh, no, he said, her name is Ruth, and he said she's asked to come and to glean the fields, and she's been standing there in the field since sunrise. All day long she's been standing in the field except for a, a short time she took a break, and she stands and waits permission to glean. Now, I think it's interesting that she asks to glean, and then she stands in the field waiting for Boaz to return to get his permission. Many would have just seen some food being left behind and jumped at it, wouldn't you? If you're, you're struggling and you're starving and you're in need, you just go, oh, thank you, God, there's food here. But she followed their customs, and she waited, and she asked for permission. And Boaz sees this, and in verse 8, he steps in and becomes her protector in a way. Verse eight, 8 says, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow them out along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. He says to her, he calls her, My daughter. Now, what he has done in this one little phrase, which might mean little to us, is he has taken her father-in-law Elimelech's place and said, I will be here. You are part of my clan. I will protect you. I've instructed all of the men that they're not to lay a hand on you. You'll be safe as long as you stay here with me. Don't go off to any other fields, but stay here, my daughter, and I'll protect you. Why? Why? Because it says in the following verses, Boaz has heard of her devotion to Naomi. Verse 11 says this. Boaz said, I mean, Ruth asked him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? And Boaz says, I've been told about what you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He said, look, I want to look after you and I want to care for you because God has seen your your faithfulness to uh, to your mother-in-law, your faithfulness to your dead husband. And God has taken all of this away and you've left your family and you've left your friends and you've left your homeland that God has provided for you here. May He richly bless you. Verse 12 says, Boaz says, May God richly reward you. The God of Israel richly care for you. The God in which you seek refuge. Now most of Moab at the time was polytheistic in that they they worshipped all sorts of different gods. There was no one god It was a God of the harvest and a God of the sun, a God of the night and a God of war. And Boaz, as Ruth comes here into Bethlehem and is protected by him, he said, "Bless, May may the God of Israel, the one true God, bless you, in whom you seek refuge. Ruth, if you remember when she's still in Moab, as I mentioned before, had said to Naomi, No, I'm going to go with you. Your God is going to be my God. Your people, my people. I will leave it all because your God will provide for us. And God here provides protection for her. God here provides food for her. And He says you will be blessed as you seek to follow God. Now, Ruth then is introduced to the people in Bethlehem. Verse 14 says this, At mealtime, Boaz says to her, Come over here and have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When he sat down with a, she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate what she wanted and had some leftover. She, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. And so... Once again, God not only provided protection for her, but he provided food for her through Boaz, uh, who has found favor with with Ruth. For um, he starts introducing her not as an outcast. He doesn't want to say, he doesn't at dinner say, Look, I want to draw your attention to something, guys. This is a woman who's been standing there. She, She gleans the fields back behind you. No, he just introduces her as one of his clan. Uh, one, of his family, one of his people that he is looking after and shares in the meal. In fact, she is able to eat so much that she can't eat it all and uh, she has leftover. And then he tells his servants, look, when you're going around in your field, I want you to bring in the harvest but maybe kind of accidentally drop some along the side or leave some aside and she will pick that up. Don't reprimand her for that because that's the good stuff not what she's supposed to have according to her tradition, but he says, leave that for her because we want to provide for her. And so she's able to take all of this home to, uh, to Naomi. She takes all this that she's gathered in the fields and all that that she had left over, the, the roasted grain that she wasn't able to eat. And Naomi says, how in the world have you got all this stuff? Where did you get this? In verse 19 to 23, Naomi hears the field that Ruth had been in was the field of Boaz. And Naomi says, Oh, the Lord, bless him. The Lord, bless him. He says, Where did you glean from today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth said, The name of that man I worked for is Boaz. Verse 20 says, The Lord, bless him, said Naomi, to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to you, to the living and the dead, she added, that man is our close relative, and he is one of our guardian redeemers. He has looked after us and respected our dead husbands, our family. He has stepped in in the place of Elimelech and cared for them and provided for them. Not necessarily how they may have wanted. They didn't come back and just be welcomed in as, as family, and there's this time of blessing. They followed the ways of God. They followed the traditions of the people. And God provided for them. He cared for them. He protected them. Naomi reassures Ruth then in, in the following verses, the closing verse of the chapter, that she'll be safe with Boaz. because Boaz uh, is there in the family and he's there. He's taking her in to be part of uh, his crew and he'll be protected and provided. She'll be protected and provided for him. God always provides for those who trust in Him, doesn't He? He does. He always provides for us. It's often. It's often not when we want, isn't it? It's often not the way we want. Sometimes we have to stand in the field and wait. Sometimes we have to take the the scraps that are left. Sometimes we have to rely on the mercy of others that God puts in our path. And all of these situations are tough. We say we we struggle today in Australia and our church, but compared to most of the world, we don't even know what struggle is. We say that God is challenging us and calling us to trust Him, but in reality, we don't even know what it means what it takes to really trust in God. We live in such blessing and provision and grace. And yet when things don't go our way, we're the first to not trust God. We're the first to turn away from God. And you all know, friends or family or people in our community, they just go, there's no God. If it was was a God, then why would this be happening to me? Why would all these tough times be coming to me? If there was really a God and if He's such a loving God, why would difficult things happen? And then there's Ruth standing in the field waiting hopefully while there's food out there that the harvesters are left behind. She stands in the field and waits for Boaz to come and begs His permission that she might go and grab some. Hopes and prays that she might have favor with someone, a man who will take her in. She leaves her homeland she leaves her family and says no your god is going to provide for me when she gets there it doesn't seem like it's working out does it it seems like she's still destitute she's still in need and yet as she trusts god provides it's not always in our way in our timing but he provides i don't know i don't know why sometimes people need to suffer i don't know Sometimes why a lady might be allowed to live on her own, rejected by friends and family, neglected and left to struggle and suffer for years. I do know, I do know that there was not a moment that went by that God wasn't there with Sarah on that mountaintop. I do know that God kept her alive and he, he allowed her to keep going. I do know that God allowed these, these loggers to discover this home and allowed them to, to run into to Keith in the shops and tell him about what she's he's discovered. And then he instantly brings all these churches on board to start helping her and building for her and caring for her and provide for. Her. I do know that God provides. I don't know why it's not the way that we want him to. I do know, though, that God cares and He loves and He provides and He always will as we trust in Him. He doesn't do it our way. I tend to think that my way is probably not as good as I think it is. I tend to think that I can only see part of the picture. And I just go, here's the problem, God, fix it. Here's how we should fix it. Here's how we should work on it. And God just says, hold on, you're only seeing part of it, I see the whole picture. You see, God isn't limited like us. He knows everything. He operates outside of of time and space. We have an infinite God. A timeless God. A powerful God. Who sees all and knows all and is able to fix all as we trust Him. He will care for us. He will provide for us. As Ruth discovered and Naomi discovered, it is not always in the timing we want. It is not always in the way we want. But God comes through and God provides. I want to say to you this morning... You may be in a time of blessing and provision in which you just you know God is there and He's providing for you. You can feel it. And you're in a time of rejoicing because you've got a new outhouse and you've got uh, the the rail built there for you and everything is getting easy for you. And you just go, wow, this is great. Isn't God wonderful? But there are also those here today who may be waiting in the fields and saying, is the owner ever going to come? Am I ever going to get permission to, to glean the field? Am I going to find enough scraps left in the field to survive? Is anyone going to take me in? Is anyone going to provide for me? And I want to tell you, I want to try to comfort you and reassure you to know that the same God who is... There in the blessing, the same God who's providing the way is the same God who will walk with you in the midst of that challenge and that struggle. He is making a way for you. And He always will. He will provide for you. Keep trusting Him. If He is asking you to stand in the field and wait, then stand in the field and wait. If He is asking you to to take scraps for a while and glean the field, then follow in that ways. God is to be trusted. God is to be followed. He doesn't always make sense to us. In fact, I think He... He rarely makes sense to us. He often blows our mind, doesn't he, with the way he provides for us. And he often puzzles us in how he does it. He does things the way we just wouldn't. But he also provides in far greater ways than we could ever imagine. His comfort, his strength, his provision is far more than we can fathom. Why do we think we have the answer of how he should do it and when he should do it? He wants to give us so much more. He wants to bless us so much more. He wants to provide for us so much more than we're imagining. Ruth and Naomi went back to Bethlehem to get some food. They found a family. They found welcome. They found comfort. They found protection. They found provision. I want to challenge you where you're at in your spiritual journey. Trust God to provide. He will care for you and He will provide for you. Right now, you go... I'm looking at the bank account and I don't see it happening. God will provide. God will be there. He is with you every step of the way. I want to challenge you to keep trusting Him. Let's just pray. God, I thank You and I praise You that You are our mighty warrior. That You are providing ways for us even when we cannot see. You're a God who knows all. You see all. And You provide all for those who trust in You. God, things may not work out our way but help us to trust in You, our strength and our Redeemer. You are our Savior. You provided salvation to us, eternal life for us by offering Your own Son life on the cross. Who does that? You're willing to give up Your own Son to buy back us, a sinful people. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for Your grace. Thank you for Jesus, the Lamb who was slain to forgive our sins for the redemption that we have in you. Help us, Lord, to trust in your strength, in your grace, and in your provision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.